How's everybody doing this morning? Man, I love, I love listening to you worship. I love seeing people worship. If you are brand new to K-First, first of all, my name is Dave Berenger. I'm the pastor. And if you keep touching my mic, it's because it's not fitting my, my melon uh, very well uh, this morning. So um, I apologize for that. But I just, I'm so glad that you've joined us for morning worship. We are expressive in our worship. This is not a place where we sit on our hands. Um, and we just stay in our seats. We love to engage with the presence of God, and we get excited to do it together. Uh, I grew up in a church that said, if we, get, if we can get excited about losing teams in Detroit, we can get excited about a living Savior. That's what I, I grew up hearing, and just a lot of truth to that. So I'm so thankful for you being here. If you have your Bibles um, or your smartphones, if you, would you go to Mark chapter 10? Uh, we are in a new question. We are dealing with this whole summer, questions Jesus asked. This is our second summer in a row. Um, next summer, we're not going to stay into this. I'm already planning out 2024. Uh, whenever I talk about uh, the next year, it's how my brain works. I stress out my wife because I will have rushed through the fall and the winter, and I'm already into next year. I was talking Christmas this week. Uh, working on, I got people shaking your heads and you're leaving the church because of that. So, sorry about that. Um, this is how my brain works, but I'm excited about it. But at the end of this month, uh, we love when Pastor Juan comes in on a Sunday morning and preaches. And so our Hispanic congregation is going to join us Sunday morning, uh, the last Sunday of this month. They get, I think it's the 27th. And then afterwards, we're going to go outside. We're going to eat food together. Uh, Pastor Juan says that we don't play enough sports, so he's going to get the soccer ball out. Um, and we got the softball stuff we'll get out, let everybody play and enjoy time together. Uh, but we're also going to baptize. And I just said we've got a few of our children are going to get baptized, which is spectacular. And if you have yet to get baptized, you're an adult, and uh, we've heard the excuses for years. Well, you know, I'm, I'm 20, I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 80. And, you know, if I, people think I'm baptized, I don't want people to think. Listen, who cares what people think? If you've never been baptized, be obedient and follow the Lord in water baptism. And no one's going to think anything. In fact, we're going to cheer for you like the Lions won the Super Bowl. That's my rule when we, some of you are like, well, that's never happened, not till this year. So I'm here to say we're here to just celebrate you and to celebrate you walking in obedience to Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me for the reading of the word this morning? Mark chapter 10, verse 46. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, um, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, the blind beggar, son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth uh, was passing by, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. Aren't you glad Jesus stopped for you? Is there anybody in the house this morning, you are so glad that when you cried out for Jesus, he didn't pass you by, but he stopped right where you were at. Somebody's awake this morning. And Jesus said, bring the boy here. Well, let's call him. Sorry, my version. And they called the blind man saying, take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprung up, and came to Jesus, and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? There's the question we're after today. Well, Pastor, he's blind. Listen, I know a lot of people that have issues, and they don't necessarily want help with those issues. 
Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him along the way. Jesus, one more time, we just cry out to you saying, Lord, we want to know you in a deep way. And we've come to meet together to meet with you. And so I ask that Holy Spirit, that your presence would just saturate our lives and our hearts so much that we walk away transformed some way, somehow, Make us more like you in the way that we talk, the way we think, the way we act, in the way that we worship, the way we interact with people around this community, God. Let us do more than just have a great church service, Lord. We want transformed lives that when people see us on Monday through Saturday, that they would see your glory on us. Change lives, lives that love, lives that are kind, lives, lives that are challenging, God, lives that are just ignited with the fire of the Spirit of God. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said... Give someone a high five as you're seated, please. Give up those high fives. Have you ever felt stuck? Not right now. <laughs> Who said Stephen? Stephen Eugene Chandler. Goodness gracious. I don't know his middle name, by the way. Goodness, I, that threw me off. But 1989, now by the way, one more time, greatest decade to ever hit the world, the 80s. Best music, best fashion, the best. The 90s where music went to die, but we're gonna get in all sorts of debates this morning. I got people writing me hate letters right now. Love the 80s, 1989, a, a band, really two men hit the scene and they took the music world by storm. And they just became so popular worldwide that they end up winning the Grammys in February for best new artists on top of the world. And it was a moment that got them stuck that ruined everything. Like, what are you talking about? You flash forward, the same year they won best new artist, Best new group, a Grammy. I mean, this is the pinnacle of a new career. They are on stage. And, and listen, I've been in church services where someone is singing a solo or I've been in meetings where someone's singing. And y'all remember back when if you didn't take care of your CD, the CD was scratch. But when a CD scratches, it skips all over the place. Um, and it's just, it's a little frustrating. And it's, it's, you know, if you're the singer, you're a little embarrassed. It's just, these are odd moments, but for them, the problem is, is their CD didn't skip. The moment that was playing kept playing over and over. But here's the problem. It wasn't the music that kept playing over and over. It was their voices that kept playing over and over. The group is called Millie Vanilli. And girl, you know it's true. If you YouTube, girl, you know it's true, Millie Vanilli, the first thing that pop up is they're up there, they're dancing, and the, and the chorus goes, girl, you know it's true, and then you're supposed to go into ooh, 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 but all of a sudden, their track got stuck, and all of a sudden, it's girl, you know it's, girl, you know it's, girl, you know it's, over and over, and they look at each other, and they just walked off the stage, and on that day, it was discovered, Millie Vanilli really didn't have any talent. They were the world's best lip syncers. 
and in this, some of you were extremely Christian in that day and time. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Praise God for Petra and all of that. It's wonderful. But this moment, they lost everything. They got their Grammys removed from them. They were sued all because they got stuck in a moment. And you found out, girl, you found out what was true. Have you ever been stuck in a moment? Like, I love vinyl records. I think it's the best way to listen to music to even to this day. You go in my office, I remember having a staff member, I was, I was putting a record on in my office, and they're like, you realize you have iTunes? You don't have to listen to the scratching on the surface of the vinyl, but there's Jesus in that sound. And I would go to the used record store, and I would just go through, I'm flipping through vinyl, I'm trying to find some godly music like Phil Collins and other things like that, or my favorite band, Chicago, I love to flip through. And I remember buying in the bargain bin, 25 cents, Chicago. I put it on, put the record on, and all of a sudden it came up to a spot and it found, what did it find? A scratch. And it gets stuck in that scratch and it keeps replaying the same thing over and over and over and it's just now unlistable. You just don't want to touch the rest of the record because it just gets stuck in that one spot. How many of us have ever been in the place where we feel like we are stuck in one spot? We are stuck in a rut and we just can't get ourselves out. And this is what we find here in Mark chapter 10 is this guy's stuck. Now, when we talk about a rut, Webster's will define a, the word rut as a monotonous routine. But a rut, for our purposes this morning, I've given it a bit of a different definition. A rut is an ongoing activity or pattern in our lives that keeps us from experiencing, experiencing victory that God wants us to have in our lives, that he wants us to know or to possess, that it is this this thing, this ongoing activity, or it's this pattern that we have in our life that is keeping us from experiencing victory that God wants us to know or to possess in our lives. And I'm not talking about just sin. Because how many of you know that sin doesn't just put us in a rut? Sometimes things that are good can put us into a rut. That's why Hebrews chapter 12 will talk about that. It says, shake off the sin and the things that so easily entangle. Hebrews tells us that sometimes it's not just sin that could send us into a rut, but sometimes it's good things, but they're not the best things. And there are times that God challenges us to change things in our lives, not because they're sin, but because they're taking us into a place that can get us stuck. Now let's recognize there are all sorts of different ruts that we can get stuck in. There are physical ruts, uh, like lethargy is a rut, uh, you can get in a rut of just not getting enough rest. Uh, you can get into the rut of just having an undisciplined schedule, uh, a rut of uh, eating the wrong things or not eating the, uh, the right things. And you, you can get in physical ruts. Um, I've just taken up running all over again just a few months back. I, I've got to get back into running shape. And I remember yesterday, I was just on a run, frustrated with myself because in my brain, I know what I think I can do, but I just feel in, I need to shake something up. We can get in physical ruts. There's emotional ruts. Places where we get, we get stuck in discouragement, anxiety, uh, stress, uh, anger, bitterness, ruts of envy, jealousy, um, ruts where we are addicted to gossip that is feeding this emotional, uh, what's the word I'm looking this emotional rush of getting other people's information. We can get in emotional ruts. And then there's spiritual ruts, prayerlessness, too busy for God, being distant from God. We can get in, how about this rut from 2020, where we just got used to watching Pastor Dave in our pajamas. 
So, I got people lifting hands. I saw Dan's hands in the back there. We just got used to waking up, rolling out of bed. We don't have to brush our teeth, and we could just watch Pastor Dave, and we can pause him and mute him at any point. This is wonderful. But we got into the rut of no longer gathering in community. We got into the rut of no longer reading Bibles, got into the rut of no longer just spending time in worship with one another. There are all times of ruts, and I've understood this, that people, all of us, can find ourselves in seasons where we all feel simply stuck. And why, why do we stay stuck is the question. Well, I think there's two really... I think there's really two answers to that. I think that sometimes people stay stuck because number one, I think sometimes people don't want to get unstuck. I think there are individuals, and I have met them, for which they will say, I want to get free, Pastor Dave. I want to get out of this world. I want to get unstuck. But the second that there's a possibility for any type of help, they don't want to actually leave that place because that's their identity. And that's how I get attention. And that's why people will help me if I'm in this condition. And so I've met a few people in my life that they say they want freedom. They say they want deliverance. But when it comes down to it and Jesus asks that question, what do you want me to do? They will ask for anything else but that because if I lose this, then I lose the attention that I always get from everybody else. They know how to work the systems of people around them and they don't want to leave that place. And then there's the other side of people that just don't know how. How do I get out of this? How do I get out of this ruts. That's what brings us to Mark. Now, if you're reading the scriptures and if you're familiar with the Gospels, you'll know that this same story is actually shared in three of the four Gospels. In Matthew chapter 20, Mark chapter 10 here, and Luke chapter 18. We could read this story three different ways and three different times. In fact, Matthew gives us a detail that Mark and Luke do not give us. In fact, Matthew tells us there are two beggars instead of one. And in fact, people say, skeptics say, well, that proves the Bible doesn't have all of their stuff together because they can't even agree on how many beggars. But this is where you're misunderstanding the purposes of every gospel. Every gospel is written in a different way to a different people group and for, honestly, different purposes. And so Matthew wants you to know the details that there are two beggars, but Mark and Luke want you to know that hey, it doesn't matter how many beggars. What matters is the exchange that Jesus has with Bartimaeus. In fact, it's Mark that gives us the name of Bartimaeus, and they believe because Mark was written primarily to Roman Christians, that Mark calls out Bartimaeus, uh, which literally means son of Timaeus. That's his father's Timaeus. He, they want, he wants the readers to know because most likely the Roman Christians would have known about Bartimaeus. So there's purpose behind. And we get this beautiful, beautiful story about Jesus traveling through Jericho on his way toward Jerusalem and he's going to go worship in Jerusalem. He's going to go gather for a festival. And he's passing by, and there is this man. And so this morning, what I want to do, if you're a note taker, if you're a note taker this morning, you're going to love me. I'm going to give you five simple principles to help you get out of a rut today. So if you're a note taker, get your notes out. Get your paper out. Paper, what year is this, Pastor Dave? All right, get your notes out on your phone, whatever you need to do. I want you to write these things down. Number one, first principle, if you need to get out of a rut, write this down. He assumed responsibility for his situation. Bartimaeus assumed responsibility for his situation. He said, if you find yourself in a rut, you cannot be waiting around, waiting for somebody to yank you out of it. So often, we sit ourselves in our little pity party, and we're waiting for someone to come up and just yank us out. Pastor Dave, why didn't you notice me at church? What time did you get you there? Well, I got there after worship, and I left right when you were praying. I'm like, 
Most time, one lady said, your wife is the most unfriendly person I've ever met. I'm like, oh, it's on now. I'm like, what? She never greets me. When do you get here? Well, I get here around 10, 15, and then I leave right when, right when you're wrapping up the service. I'm like, well, is she supposed to stop during worship and look over the crowd? She goes, oh, I guess you're right. We get ourselves in this stuck, and we're waiting for somebody to notice us or to somebody to pull us out. Listen, if your marriage is lacking life, if your spiritual life is lacking life, if your friendship life is lacking life, if you're just lacking life, instead of waiting for life to happen, it's time to step on up and begin to engage because I know what it's like to be able to blame circumstances. And I got plenty of blame I could set out there. I know what it's like to blame people, and there are people that have devastated me, and it's easy to blame people. I mean, you know, it's easy to blame the government. I've been blaming government for Detroit sports for 47 years. It's easy to blame, but let me speak something into you. You will never know God's power fully if you're constantly looking for an excuse to blame somebody else. Listen, well, Pastor, you don't know who's hurt me. You know what? That's true, but you don't know who's hurt me. And we can either sit as a casualty of what they've done, or we can recognize something may have happened, but I'm not going to sit on the side of the road hoping that somebody will notice me. I'm going to get myself up. Because you will never know victory in your life if you're only speaking defeat in your heart. Boy, if you're only speaking defeat, well, well, my marriage is having troubles, it's probably over. If you're constantly speaking that over your marriage in your heart, no wonder why that's all you see. You gotta get victory in your head, victory in your heart, and be willing to look out and recognize that, listen, nobody's gonna come and pull me out necessarily. I've gotta look up and I've gotta be ready to call out to Jesus, because the, fa the fact is, some of you are waiting for Jesus to reach out, I'm here to say he's already reaching out to you. He's already reaching out, but you gotta reach back. But you gotta get victory inside of you. I heard the story the other day of elephants. Elephants grow up to be the size of around 11,000 pounds. And I was reading the story about elephants the way they're trained. And they call, they call it the baby elephant syndrome. And what they do is when the elephant is small, if they want to have a trained elephant at, the, at birth, they will take it and put something around its ankle and they will tie it to a tree, giving it about 12 feet to kind of maneuver, just a 12 foot radius around a tree. And they will do that on and off to that elephant. And the elephant will grow up bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to the point that when they're ready to utilize that elephant, whether it's for a circus or for a show or for, for some touristy thing, they will have this mammoth elephant, they will take a stake, put it into the ground next to it, tie the ankle to that stake, and that elephant will never move beyond that 12 foot diameter. That 11,000 pound animal at any point could yank that thing up and go wherever it wants. But once that ankle gets held onto in its brain, there's no way I can move beyond this. Some of y'all have got defeat so much in your brain by something that has happened to you or things that the enemy has whispered in your brain and you're wondering, can I ever move on from this point? We need to look at Bartimaeus. He hears that Jesus is passing by. He obviously can't see that he's passing by and there's no way he's gonna let his ankle get tethered to what his past has said about him or dictated what he's supposed to do. He's ready to rise up and ready to get freedom from the rut that he has been living in. And he didn't care about what people said. He cried out. That leads me toward number two. He didn't wait for the ideal circumstances. He didn't wait for the ideal circumstances. Ask 
Jesus, is this a good time? Asked him if this is okay with his schedule. He didn't wait. He didn't wait for the best time. He didn't wait for the almost opportune time. He didn't look and sit, sit there and say, well, now might not be a good time. I'm not really feeling it in the moment. I'm just, I'm just going to wait. And how many times are we just waiting for perfect moments? We're waiting for our boss to initiate the conversation that we know we ought to have. Waiting for our spouse to bring something up so that we can actually deal with our marriage situation. We're waiting for our friend to come crawling back to us so that we can, we can actually get forgiveness and bitterness and things dealt with in our own life. We're waiting for somebody to initiate. We want the situation to fit us in. But I'm here to say that this is never the perfect time. The time is just now. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not the next week. This may not be the most... Uh, in, in, maybe encouraging thing you've ever heard in your life, but you're not promised tomorrow. You're not promised next week. You're not promised next month. Today is the day of salvation. And when you know that you've got an opportunity to interact and intersect with Jesus, you don't wait for the right moment that fits you best. You go after Jesus because he wants to touch your life. Now, something that you may not gather from this portion of Scripture, we're in Mark chapter 10. But if you have your Bibles and you look over, Mark chapter 11 starts off with a little title that says, The Triumphal Entry. And what do we know about the triumphal entry? This is the first step toward the last week of Jesus' life. What Bartimaeus and everybody else in Jericho, what they didn't know is Jesus was never going to come through Jericho ever again. This is his last time. And they could have said, we'll just wait for next time. We'll wait for next service. We'll wait for Pastor Dave's next message. We'll wait for the next altar call. We'll wait for the next worship service. The scripture says, today is the day, Ecclesiastes 11.4. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Look, whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. In other words, don't wait for the weather to be perfect in order to act. We know that all too well in Michigan. But some of us are just waiting for the perfect day for our touch from Jesus. We're waiting for the perfect day to respond to Jesus. We're waiting for that perfect service that has the perfect songs and has the perfect message in order to respond and to receive our touch from the Lord and to get out of this rut. Pastor Dave, you don't know how I feel in this rut. I'm here to say this. I understand the feelings. I just got noticed. I'm so stoked. Next month, my book comes out on my journey through depression. I am so excited about this book. I cannot wait for this book to come out. And then in uh, October, we're going to speak about depression and other emotional issues. I cannot wait. So I understand what darkness is like. But there are too many times that we order our worship by feelology rather than theology. There are too many times that we are operating upon what our feelings dictate about God rather than stepping into the truth about who God is. And we have to remember, because you'll read it eight different times in my book, truth trumps feelings every single time. And so what, what, what Ecclesiastes is telling us is that if it's time to plant, then you plant. Time to harvest, you harvest. Time to reap, you reap. Whatever time it is, got to simply do it. Which leads me to quote number three. You can't worry about what other people are going to say. You can't worry about what other people are going to say. I'm sure Bartimaeus heard quite a bit from individuals. I mean, verse number 48. Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. I love his stubbornness. And he cried out all the more. Listen, 
I'm going to give you a truth about yourself that maybe you've never thought about. You are all extremely stubborn. And if you married to a stubborn person, don't raise your hands. <laughs> By the way, I do marriage counseling. Let me just put it out there. Men rebuked him, and he didn't care, because I bet you he's heard it all. John chapter 9, we get this amazing story about a blind man that Jesus comes up to, not Bartimaeus, comes up to a blind man, and instead of acting in compassion, his disciples, they look at the blind man, and they're just like, huh, Jesus, can you tell us, how did it come to this condition? Did he sin? Or did his parents sin? Because it's got to be one of the two. Because that's the only way these things happen to people. Their theology is completely off, by the way. Because I've met some of you, I've met individuals that you've looked at the plight of your life and immediately you think it's just simply, it's, it's because I must have sinned, rather than looking at the fact that we all are broken people that are living in a broken world and bad things sometimes happen to good people. They're trying to quiet him down. And they're most likely saying the same things the disciples said to Jesus. But I'm here to say to get unstuck, you got to be committed to the voice of God over the voice of the crowd. you got to be committed to the voice of the Father, the voice of the Son, the voice of the Spirit versus the voice of the culture. You're going to get enough voices out there. But some of us, we would rather live in fear of what people think rather than receive what God wants to give us in terms of freedom. And we got to get something within us that just simply says, nothing is going to stop us. He begins to cry out. He's crying out, Jesus, son of David. And there are probably people saying, just keep it down, keep it down. Shut up. He doesn't need you right now. He's got more important people to go after. Just shut up. But you've got to determine in your heart that if you want to get out of a rut, you've got to set aside what the world is going to say, which leads me toward number four. Don't be afraid to step out boldly and to believe God. Don't be afraid to step out boldly and just believe God. Believe God for what he said. Believe God for what he can do. Believe God for what he can accomplish. And I've had people say, well, pastor, if I come forward for healing, what if it doesn't happen? You know what my reply is? What if it does? Well, pastor, if I come forward, what if I don't get freedom? What if he does? But happened to my timing. Well, who cares about your timing? What if God's got a different timing? But what if God responds right there? But we get people stuck in this place. Girl, you know it's girl, you know it's girl. You're stuck in this spot. And some of you are so busy living to the rhythm of what has happened and to the rhythm of what God is calling you to do. It's time to be afraid. Now, not be afraid and to speak out boldly, to step out boldly into what is true of God. This is why I believe in the power of declaration. Now, let me tell you what declaration is not. There's a lot of declarations. We can, Congress can declare war. If you have debt, you can just scream out loud, I declare bankruptcy! And that'll fix your debt. Some of you have never seen The Office and it shows right now. There's a lot of declarations that you can make but the one type of declaration that I just don't believe in is the weird declarations that I've seen from some celebrity pastors that if you just declare that you need $100, you declare that in your hand and God's going to slap that in your hand. 
It makes me want to take that hand and slap the preacher. Declaration is not about name it and claim it. You know what declaration is biblically? It is declaring what is true. Not what I don't see, it's declaring what is true of God, of his kingdom, of his power, of his authority. And so when it comes to declaration, declaration is really two things. It is declaring this is what is true of God, and secondly, this is what I now need to do because declaration is more than speaking out this is what's true of God. It's putting our feet to our faith and walking out what he has challenged us to do. That if God is declaring, if, if we're declaring healing over somebody's life, listen, don't just receive it, walk in it, operate it. Do, this, may shock, this may shock you if you're sick and you've been prayed over and you walk away and you're still sick, go to the doctor. I, do, Pastor, are you anti the healing power of God? No, I believe in doctors and nurses. I thank God for doctors and nurses. They are gifts from the hand of God. And if you've been healed, then still go back to the doctor and have that checked into and let them declare the glory of God all over again. If you're declaring, God, I declare that you give me a job, you are my provider. You know what I want you to do? I want you to go find a job and go to work. I declare that I get better sleep at night. You know what I need you to do? Go to bed without your smartphone. Y'all don't need TikTok at 11 o'clock in the evening. Go get some sleep. But it's got to be more than speaking out what's true of God. We've got to be willing to live it out. Listen, I believe in declaration. Most of you don't even know this, that throughout the week, I will walk into this room, this empty room, and I will just begin out loud just to declare for seats to be filled in Jesus' name. I will walk through the balcony, I will walk through chairs, I will lay hands on those chairs, and I will begin to declare the unsaved, the unchurched, the de-churched, the broken and the bruised. You know what I don't pray? God, fill this room with more Christians. We gotta reach those people who have already been reached. God put a spirit of an evangelist upon the people of K-First that we would begin to look around and say, who is the candidate for a miracle? And begin to fill these seats. I declare that every single week. And this man, Bartimaeus, he's not afraid to step out boldly. Verse 49 gives us an amazing detail. It says this. It says, throwing off his cloak. If you got a good paper Bible, you got to underline stuff. This is one of those beautiful things to underline. Because you got to underline. He threw off his cloak. Why? Because... There was something that beggars, those people that were destitute, they would wear specific garments so that people could identify them to either help them or, let's be real, avoid them. And so Bartimaeus, here's Jesus is coming by, and Jesus says, hey, bring the brother on over here. And so what he does is he throws off his cloak. I'm going to stop identifying with what I used to be identified, and I'm going to declare, this is his declaration. I'm not going to go back to the cloak. I'm not going to go back to what I used to be. I'm not going to go back to what I used to be bound by. Some of you, when, when you declare something over your life, don't go back to it. I declare freedom from alcohol. Don't go back to the alcohol or the atmospheres that are conducive toward that. Some of you need to declare boundaries in your life and not go back to the same friendships that keep dragging you down. Declare freedom in Jesus' name. And it says this, immediately he recovered 
his sights. Principle number five, and Olivia, if you'd join me. Now, when you're out of the rut, come on, stay out of the rut. I know, I just blew your mind. When you're out of the rut, stay out of the rut. When you find freedom, stay away from the thing that you were enslaved to. I've said this for years. I'm convinced that some people are more attracted to known slavery than they are to unfamiliar freedoms. And there are times that we go back to things that used to bind us because it's so familiar that that's where we've derived everything about our lives and it's time to step out in freedom. Because whatever the, the Lord does in your life, the devil will challenge everything God does. Everything he does. I've had people raise their hands and they ask Christ into their life and then I talk with them out in the hallway and all of a sudden they get in the hallway, um, um, how do I know that I'm saved? Immediately lifted their hand, they prayed their prayer, they're excited, we give them a book, we give them a Bible and they're like, okay, boy, I am, are you sure I'm saved? And I get to look at them and say, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. Well, Pastor Dave, I know God healed me, but, but what if, but up, stop, stop with the but, stop. If God's healed you, then he's healed you. Live in that healing. If he set you free, live in that freedom. Well, pastor, how do I know was what happened to me was real? Listen, it was real in the moment, and it's even real when the emotions go away. What God does is real, and you have to determine in your heart, I choose to serve the Lord and what he has spoken over my life. Back in uh, my junior year of football, I got an injury to my back and it sidelined me for a week, and which, which bummed me. It, I just, it's, I was just, I, I was just battling some depression, just like my, my outlet my, was just gone, and I, my back was just absolutely destroyed. And we were in a youth service, and in the middle of the youth service, we were, I was just worshiping, and I was sitting down because I couldn't stand to worship, and I feel like the Holy Spirit in a moment just kind of spoke to me and said, stand and worship and so I just remember standing to my feet and I just stood there just kind of leaning on the chairs in front of me and I just remember the Holy Spirit saying lift your hands I'm like Holy Spirit I can't lift my hands and the Holy Spirit just said just lift up your hands and I just don't know how to explain it I just, I just, mean, I just remember standing straight up to lift up my hands and all of a sudden realizing that there's no pain left in my lower back whatsoever and just just being in shock and all of a sudden I started like I don't know if you've ever done this in worship where you just start doing this it's like a touchdown signal but in that youth service I started I lifted my hands all of a sudden I'm like it's almost like a Morse code to Jesus and it's just going up and down and all of a sudden I'm like you know people are like oh Dave's receiving from the Lord I'm like I I'm receiving something, but all of a sudden, my back is completely healed. And Monday morning, sorry, Thursday, because it was youth service. Thursday, I get done up for practice. Coach is like, you okay? I said, back's doing better. I was so scared to tell anybody, because I'm like, they're going to think I'm insane. So, back's feeling better. It's pretty shy with my faith. And so I got into a drill where I'm running out for a pass. And a guy came out of nowhere and blindsided me. It just literally took me right off my feet. I laid on the ground. I felt a little twinge in my back. And in that moment, and it felt like an eternity, it was probably seconds, I laid there. God, I thought you healed me. 
Because how many know when God touches your life, the enemy will just come at you and want to annihilate you and just say, it wasn't real. But I remember this, the guy that hit me, Jim Amalfitano, just called him Mouth, because it fit. He looked over me and he says, Eddie Munster, you okay? That was my nickname. And I, I, I leaned up, I'm like, yeah, we're good. Got up and got back into the drill. I remember sitting back and just kind of being in wonderment about the work and the power of God. Everything the enemy wants to do in your life, he wants, that God wants in your life, the enemy will come back at it. You may not feel the touch of God in your heart, believe it. You may not think that God has heard your prayer, believe it. You may feel God, maybe he hasn't delivered you, I want you to believe it. But walk in victory and don't go back to it. Whatever God has spoken, believe it. Whatever God has done, trust in it. Because he asked you the question that he asked Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do? Because you just got to believe it and you've got to walk in it. Did you know this? It takes, I thought, I was wrong for years. I used to say it takes 28 days to form a new habit. It actually takes 60 days to form a new habit. And then I learned this as well from Dr. Carolyn Leaf, that it takes 60 days to form a new long-term memory. So not only are you trying to develop new habits, but you're trying to even rewire your brain to remember, to stop remembering what you used to be, to be rewired to be what you're supposed to be. And so as you have a declaration over your life and you're starting to step out of the ruts, I want you to determine for the next 60 days that you're just gonna be faithful to God regardless of what the enemy speaks to you. And for the next 60 days, you're going to dedicate your life to following Jesus. For the next 60 days, you're going to ignore every taunt from the devil. For the next 60 days, you're going to start talking kindly to people that you used to not talk kindly to. You're going to stop gossiping for the next 60 days. Stop being so negative for the next 60 days. You're going to walk in forgiveness for the next 60 days. That you're going to just start seeing good in people when you didn't do that before. That you're going to be different from who you are today. Why? Because God, if he's going to pull you out of the rut, it's time to start learning how to walk, not in the rut, but in the new identity that he has given you. It is time for Bartimaeus to take off the cloak, to throw it and to walk away and to start living. Because if you can live that for the next 60 days, you will not just develop a new habit in your legs, but a new mind between your ears and you'll live in that identity. And you've given the devil nothing to work with at all. What does God want to do in your life? Because it's time to put feet to the transformation he wants to give you. So prayer team, would you join me? We're going to do something a little different this morning. Prayer team, come forward. And would you just gather just across the, the front area? We'll call this the altar. We, the altars in the Old Testament are places where things went to die. So this morning, I'm going to ask for Pastor Olivia. She's going to just sing out. And this morning, if you feel like you are in a rut, you feel stuck, maybe you're in a physical rut, maybe there's some maladies going on, maybe there's some things that are unhealthy in your life, and you need freedom, then you're going to be a candidate for what's about to happen. Maybe you're in an emotional rut this morning. Man, I understand. Man, I get that more than you realize. Anxieties, worries, fears. You feel like the, like the elephant, like that. You're, you're, 
your leg is caught to something that you know you ought to be able to pull up out of the ground and walk away, but it just keeps tethering you back. Maybe you're just in a spiritual rut. Maybe your relationship with God has just gone cold, stale. Church is just monotonous to you. We're going to do something so different. The prayer team is here, and they're not actually going to pray for you as much as they're going to declare over you. And so what's going to happen is Pastor, let's call you Pastor Abby, Pastor Olivia, I just saw Pastor Abby and, and Kurt yesterday, they were in town. She's going to sing, and if you're here and you're just stuck, and you need a miracle in your life, now they may pray after they declare, that's cool, but they may just declare over your life, and maybe you just want to step off to the side and just and pray, or move off to the wings and pray. That's fine too. We're not going to rush you out of here, but I've commissioned them, the prayer team's been commissioned to declare the goodness of God over your life. The love of God, the power of God, we're going to declare that. This is not naming and claiming something that we're trying to imagine. We're going to declare what we know is right about the Lord, and we're going to do that over your life. We'll do it over your marriage. We're going to do it over your person, over your health, over your finances, whatever it might be. But if you're in a place where you just feel stuck, you feel stuck, then I ask you right here, right now, would you just stand up and come? You feel stuck. Don't wait for everybody else to stand. That's always, that's the easy way to do it. Feel stuck. Just come forward. Find one of these prayer team members and they're going to listen to you. And they're going to declare over your life. Does anybody else feel stuck? You feel stuck. You're just stuck. Just come forward. feel stuck in the room. Some of you right now, you are stuck in your seat over pride of what you think people are going to think or what you think your spouse is going to think. Listen, if your marriage is stuck, grab your spouse by the hand and then walk them on up. And let's just get declaration. Feel stuck. Like you can't get out. If you're in the house today and you're not stuck, that means you know what it's like to be free. Would you pray right where you're at? Come on, let them hear you pray. Let's just fill this house. This is a house of prayer. Jesus called the temple the house of prayer for all nations. Let's just begin to pray in the name of Jesus over these individuals. Come on, let's pray in the name of Jesus. I won't forget the moment I heard you call my name Out of the grip of darkness into the light of grace just like lazarus oh you brought me back to life if you still feel like you need to come forward please come forward where there was dead religion now there is living faith all of my hope and freedom are found in jesus name just like Lazarus, oh, you brought me back to life. No longer I who live, but Christ in me. For I've been born again, my heart is free. The hope of heaven before 
Could we stand in the house together? Could we do this? Could we just stretch our hands toward these individuals? Could we just begin to pray over them? Right where you're at, can we just declare the goodness of God? Come on, some of you know what it's like to be bound up. Some of you know what it's like to be hurting. Some of you know what it's like to be struggling with addictions and needing freedom in your life. Some of you marriages know what it's like to be stuck in a place where you're, you can't see hope in front of you. And let's just begin to declare the goodness of God. The goodness of God. That even though we're walking through the valleys of the shadow of death, that we don't have to fear any evil. Because grace and mercy follow us all the days of our life. Let we declare that grace and mercy will follow them all the days of their lives. Let's declare healing over limbs and joints, backs, elbows and knees that sleeplessness would be chased away the idea of being just filled with so much anxiety that you can't even focus anymore that you begin to speak that away in Jesus name that God has not given us a spirit of fear but one of love power and a sound mind we declare that over them in Jesus name we declare, we declare that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. We declare that in Jesus' name. Lord, we declare emotions that seem to be in turmoil would be calmed like the winds and the waves of the Sea of Galilee when you spoke the words, peace be still. We declare peace be still. We declare the, the ability to think and no longer have confusion. We declare wisdom where it seems like wisdom's been lacking. Lord, we declare, God, that shame and guilt are gone in Jesus' name. We declare people, Lord, free from the weight of guilt and shame. Lord, you, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, we declare freedom in people's hearts. Freedom in individuals, freedom in, in marriages, freedom in parents, God, that we will no longer be governed by guilt and shame, but we live free in Jesus' name. We declare that. We declare that, Jesus. And Lord, this is my prayer, that we would do more than just speak out what is true, that Lord, we would walk in what is true. That we would throw off the things that entangle us, the things that used to identify us with how we were raised or what we went through and what we have lived through, we declare it done. And we step into the new life that you've called us to live into, into the freedom that you want us to have, the liberty that we're, you've called us to enjoy, to now be vessels. That the rut that we once knew, God, will no longer be the place where we live. That we would spend the next 60 days, Lord, stepping and living, walking and following, obeying and watching, leading into you, knowing, God, that where you lead us to, God, you will never leave us or forsake us. Take us into your promise. So, Lord Jesus, we say to you, the King, eternal, immortable, immortable, invisible, the only God, be the honor and glory forever and ever and ever. And everybody said, can we give God a hand clap of praise for these individuals?